Morning, Zan. Welcome to my podcast, The First Step. Thanks for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, you sound great. The audio is perfect. Oh, good. (laughs) Can you just tell me how to say your last name again? It's Marillia. Marillia. Okay, thank you so much for joining me. So I'll just give um, listeners a bit of context for our conversation. Um, Zen and I were on a call the other day doing some yoga and and because of all of what's happening out there in the world, the protests, you know, it just came up and, and you had said something that I thought um, was worth talking about. I think when anybody, whenever anybody is willing to speak openly about how they feel, then we have an opportunity for healing. And so this podcast, the first step is essentially around healing. So that's my goal for today is my, uh, the intention is that our conversation could lead to some healing. So um, thank you for being here. I guess um, to set some context around who you are, uh, maybe you want to tell us about your time in South Africa. You live here in Canada now, but um, you came from South Africa, and there's a lot of obvious um, racial divide in in that country. So do you want to just um, begin our conversation telling us kind of what it was like living there for you, and what are the issues that kind of come to the surface when we start to talk about racial divide or um, what's going on in the world today? Oh, can you hear me? Zen, I can't hear you. I don't know if your um, mute button got hit, but um, if you can hear me and you don't pop on right away, I'm, I'm going to send you another invite. No, here we go. Is that better? Oh, perfect. Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. All right. Um, just to give you a bit of background as to how I ended up in Africa, my dad was a Canadian. And he went out there after the war to work on the mines. And that's how I actually became a Canadian citizen, was at birth he registered me. So that is why I've now come back to Canada. But uh, I grew up in in Namibia, which was southwest Africa, and moved to to South Africa. And this was all during the apartheid era, which um, my parents were very, very sort of adamant that everybody was a human being. We all bled red blood, and we all needed to be treated with respect and courtesy. So um, I always, yeah, sure, you see different colors, but you don't, um, you don't act on that. You just treat people with with courtesy, and um, you look at their cultures, and you start to understand a little bit more about how, um, how we're all different in the world. Now, what is actually happening in South Africa is very heartful for me. Um, we, well, it all basically started when Nelson Mandela um, was thank- thankfully released from from prison. Um, for me, that was a, a huge, huge step because um, he, 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 his, sort of plan for the whole of South Africa um, with our independence um, was that we would be a rainbow nation and we were all very excited about what what his insight was and what his sort of projections were. And unfortunately, it didn't come as he would have liked. Um, the tensions between black and white are very, very great in South Africa. And for me, um, was very distressing because of my background of um, growing up in more of a liberal type home. Mm-hmm. So for me, what is happening now in South Africa, and it, it really drove a point home to me now during the pandemic, listening to what people were saying, they're reading articles. Everybody has been very severely hit in South Africa. They've had huge lockdowns and there are all kinds of people all different nationalities colors creeds whatever that are struggling and there are a lot of white families in dire straits as there are black people and they all live in what is known as a squatter camp 
mm-hmm. which is similar, to, I would imagine, to a ghetto. I, I, I don't know. But they are really, really struggling. A lot of these people don't have electricity. A lot of these people don't have any running water. And it's, it's, a, it's a tragic situation. Now, Can I just get clear about um, these squatter camps? Would there yeah. be both black and white people living together? In some of them, there are. Um, and they all know what their situation is. But in a lot of instances, um, a lot of the black squatter camps are people that have come from neighboring states, mm-hmm. primarily Zimbabwe, because they're in a dust. They they are just non. Their their economy is non-existent. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these people that are in these squatter camps from Zimbabwe area could be um, school teachers, could be doctors, could mm-hmm. be whatever. But they cannot get a. They're there illegally, and therefore they are not able to work in their profession. So they are educated people. A lot of the white people in these squatter camps are also um, educated people, but are unable to get a job, unfortunately, because of their color of their skin. Mm-hmm. Not because they are foreigner, but the government in South Africa now have got black empowerment um, in a lot of, well, in all spheres of um, job, whether it be creation or employment. Mm-hmm. This is where these white people have then ended up in squatter camps as well, because they couldn't obviously afford their their homes anymore, or you know whatever their unfortunate circumstances are. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with this pandemic going on in South Africa, they've had this lockdown, which is going on and on and on. Where um, Obviously, like everywhere in the world, people have lost their jobs and their incomes. And a lot of the big companies, the really wealthy companies, have donated funds to the government um, for feeding plans. Now, if you are white, you do not qualify for any feeding plan. Any of the churches that would have wanted to feed white families were stopped. They would only allow you to hand out food packages to non-white families, which to me I find absolutely horrific. Mm-hmm. Why starve people because of their skin color? Why um, jeopardize people by their skin color? To me, it is just unacceptable. Mm-hmm. So why do you think then that, um, why do you think this racial divide exists in the first place? I mean, it's interesting. I, 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 um, when you said it all started when Nelson Mandela was released from jail, I think it was um, around, ni- like in the 1990s, 1994, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but really, it starts, the story starts lo- like so long ago, right? So, so how would you divide or define why racial division exists in the first place? And then maybe hopefully we can hear some of your ideas about how could we diminish this divide or what's it going to take, in your opinion, to, to heal this divide? Right, going right back to when the first settlers came into South Africa, the white settlers came in, and the land was occupied by a nation called the San, which is a, um, they are now more situated in the desert areas in the Namib area, um, the Bushmen. And they bartered with the white settlers that came in for land. And sure, they paid for them in beads or whatever. So it was very minimal, but that is what the white people bought the land for, in my understanding. Mm-hmm. Other black nations moved further south from the northern areas of Africa. 
there was a lot of different um, warring groups, peaceful groups, nomads, and they moved down into Af- to southern Africa. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of tension between some of these black nations as well. So to me, it yes, there was the Boer War, there was the uh, where the Afrikaans people fought the English people um, or the British people, um, and there was also um, white on black warring. It's it's gone back hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, um, the newer African um, population that have moved south have said that the land was stolen from them. Mm-hmm. Firstly, they never owned the land. It belonged to a totally different nation of black people, mm-hmm. which were paid for the land. So now, yes, and let's be honest, um, it was a very tragic situation where the people, the black people that were working on a lot of the white farms or in white homes were not well looked after. But then again, a lot of the workers were very well looked after by whoever employed them. Mm-hmm. Their whole families were on the farms. They were fed. Um, it was not slavery as such. But can but we, was. there was a time though of slavery. No, I, I mean, I did a little reading pre your conversation and, and I just have this date jotted down, 1833, the end of mm-hmm. slavery. So whatever happened before that date, um, and then even at that date, I, I read something that there was still this kind of indentured slavery, you know, there were still laws that allowed, um, or that didn't allow black people to do certain things. Um, so it, in if we go back a little bit farther, there, I mean, there was this, you know, this, this land where white people didn't exist. And then um, they arrive and they claim this part of the country. And then there is some kind of conquering. I mean, they have better weaponry or, or more, a more um, advanced kind of warfare potential and take over this part of the land. And then blacks for many, many years are, are serving them. And, and I think it was like, um, you know, I, I read a ton of, I just jotted down a, a, a few of these things, but the Immortality Act, the Separation Act, the Suppression of Communist Act, which is, is around this time where Nelson Mandela gets sent to jail, right, for fighting some of these things, the Bantu yes. Education Act, the Black Homeland Citizen Act, um, and, and all of that in that part of history can we agree that there were huge abuses towards black people from these settlers? There was a huge, that's what I'm saying. A lot of people have no idea of how they were treated. Mm -hmm. They were not fairly treated, but just to sort of emphasize again, when the white settlers came in, they bartered with the San Khoi people for the land. It never belonged to the people who are now claiming that it was their people's land. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So from that aspect, that land was um, acquired, a lot of the land was acquired in bartering. It wasn't that the original people were pushed out with no compensation. A lot of the people have now claimed that there are ancestral lands and what have you. And yes, possibly there are further north, but not all of the lands that they are saying that have been stolen. These people have paid for their land, be it to the government or whoever originally. So that on that aspect, um, I get very distressed with the white farmers that are being murdered mm-hmm. um, for lands mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it is just 
total terrorism. Mm -hmm. Now, yes, a lot of people have abused the fact, and yes, um, there was this terrible segregation of schooling, um, medical. um, They had to have a pass, which was horrible, that they were not allowed in certain areas at certain times. They were not allowed to buy homes in in areas. They just, they didn't own anything like that. Mm-hmm. And um, they lived in designated areas. And yes, uh, you know, it, it was, it was terrible. And these people would be chased by the police force to prove that they were allowed to be in the area. Um, it, it was just, it was horrific. It was just unacceptable. Um, that people could not move around freely. They could not travel on the trains in the same carriages as the white um, population. Um, they, it was this, they couldn't go into the same side of the shops. Mm-hmm. They had entrances where they were allowed to go in. Um, and there was a barrier. I remember there being a barrier in like a bottle store. And they could stand on the one side of this um, this barrier mm-hmm. and my population would stand on the other and it just, even though they were might have been served by the same people they were not allowed to integrate with us mm-hmm. they were not allowed to come to our hotels they were not allowed to go to a movie they were not allowed to go to a restaurant Okay, so let's touch on this and I just want to um, give a little bit of context to what time period we're talking about because when I was yeah, just doing like a quick little bit of research to understand Um, time period, I couldn't believe that we're talking about, you know, 1960, 1970, 1980, there's still people trying to keep the separation. Reagan and Thatcher supported um, apartheid in that time. And it wasn't until the 90s that apartheid ends. So this is only we're only talking really 26 years. 26 years ago, right? So to have some of these tensions still occurring today, when I think about that in my own mind, it's like, yes, all of what you're talking about right now, all of this division or, um, you know, this unfair, unjust treatment and separation is such a short period ago. So when we start to think about that tension or that frustration or that resentment, it, it's not even barely a generation ago. So just to set some context for that. And then I think maybe this is where we come to see it's like, so you have this generation or, or generations of black people who were denied certain rights. And, you know, 26 years ago, they're starting to, to lift these kind of sanctions or this kind of um, discrimination very little time ago. So, So now you have these living people today remedy or or dealing with the fallout of those policies or politics. So how do, how, how do we heal that kind of anger and resentment? Because you see it playing out. This is what you're starting to talk about. So now the farmers are experiencing this kind of, well, go on. I mean, I'll let you take it from here. Well, thank you. Um, look, our farmers, unfortunately, are the people that are creating and providing both work and food mm-hmm. for the nation. Um, these thugs are going in. They are murdering families, men, women, children. The women be, even the, the young girls are raped. Um, the women are beaten. They they burn them. They use blow torches on them to burn them. They pour boiling water on them. They make their husbands watch. Mm-hmm. They then murder these men and the rest of the family. And sometimes nothing is taken. It is just murder. Revenge. Revenge. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of this crime is being is being um, instigated, I personally feel, from certain um, 
I don't really want to say political, but it, it is a little bit on the po- political side. Mm-hmm. It's been instigated. Mm-hmm. People in power are denying that these murders are happening. But if one goes and looks at the statistics as to what is happening on a daily, not a monthly, mm-hmm. a daily basis, mm-hmm. it is black murdering white. Mm-hmm. You don't find white murdering black. You find black murdering black and black murdering white. Mm-hmm. And it is very, very damaging to the the. the, the the security mm-hmm. of the country. Well, there's no denying it's awful, right? I mean, this is awful. And I think, you know, this is where I get really interested because, and when, you know, whatever you said on the call that day, that I thought, oh, this is a topic worth discussing with you because you feel it, right? So I think when we're willing to feel the pain of this situation, so whether it's you know, feeling this compassion for these white farmers as they're brutally attacked by these black, um, as you call them, thugs, I don't know, or I think that's the term. Intruders. Intruders. Um, (laughs) Yeah. This is undeniably awful. And then I think our response usually is more divide, right? Like, it's like we're saying, we, we begin to say, like, It's these black people against these white people. And then if we were to look back, you know, um, one of the major events that um, caught my attention when I was doing my little history briefing was, you know, these this um, protest where where I think it was like close to 70 people were shot in Sharpsville, which was one of the major um, uprisings. 16th of June. So awful. Right. Awful. So like this attack on black people by white people. So we can. You know, I think there's no shortage of back and forth, right? It's like, I'll kill you. No, no I'll kill you. No, my life matters. Well, it was, no, my life it matters. By, it was by the the police mm-hmm. more than anything mm-hmm. else because they sent in to control the crowd. Mm-hmm. Well, and, th- and they used brute force. Uh-huh. And this is, but this is, this is where I think it, it gets really difficult if we're, if we're looking for an end to the violence where we, where we continue to say like, it's them, even if we, if we talk about what's happening in the States right now, right. As I watch it unfolding, as I watch it playing out, it's like, you know, we, we keep all this infighting going by saying like black lives matter, no blue lives matter, no all lives matter. Like who's right here, you know, and, and, people fighting against people. And I think at the heart of it, I know for sure between you and me, even though we may um, come from different experiences and, and see things from a different light, I know that in your heart and my heart and probably all, like all, all humans, what we want is peace. What we want is to love each other. What we want is to get along. And I think, I think part of the healing as I see it is to acknowledge that until we can look at each other, black or white, American, South African, Canadian, indigenous, until we can start to look at each other and, and in the eye, heart to heart, and say to whoever stands in front of us, like, you have suffered injustices, you know, this was awful. I can see you're in pain and you're still hurting from this. And I would say none of us are untouched. That, that we're living through generations of war, we're living through generations of inequality, injustice, disparity in every country, in every country, every human has been touched by this kind of human narrative over the last several centuries of war, of killing, of violence. And until we start to look at each other and, and really hear that, you know, so instead of saying like, um, you know, in the 1960s, it was the police killing yeah. the black people or, or in 2019, it's the black people killing the African farmers or in 2020, it's the, in the police in Minnesota killing the black people or now it's the black rioters killing the police. You know, it's, like, it's, it's, it's really all the same thing. So, so how, how do you think we start to actually heal this? Because at the end of it, we can talk about hundreds and hundreds of of stories and examples of how brutal humans have been to humans in different ways. How do we 
how do we heal? How do we stop this me against you, we against them? How do you think this ever ends? In my opinion, um, all the, the hatred, the hurt, the violence, yes, it's happened. Sometimes it's still happening. But we have got to start from a clean slate. I think a lot of the younger generation should be saying, yes, this has happened. Um, and we acknowledge it's happened. We're not going to forget about it. But let's go forward. Let's start showing a little bit of compassion, respect. Um, this is everybody's world that we're living mm -hmm. in. And I think the way that I would like to try and improve things is to educate people in acknowledging that injustices have been out there for years. Possibly, as I say, they still are. But we have got to grow and we have got to be more respectful. We should actually learn about about different people as to where they come from, what their cultures are. We all have our own different cultures, whatever you, you could be from the East, the West, wherever. We all have our own cultures. And if I move into somebody's, um, well, right, I've come from Africa into mm -hmm. Canada. I must respect the laws of this country. I cannot go into a school and start demanding my culture, whatever it may be, on everybody else. We have to be respectful. And if we choose to live in a society, we must be respectful of that culture. Okay, I'm gonna, I want to ask you a question here because as you speak that, I just, I'm looking out my window really listening to you thinking – when you say that, what comes to mind for me, if we're now we're talking about Canada and you're saying it's not right for, to come over to somebody else's country and impose my culture on the people of that land. And it just immediately I think of the history of Canada and now we're, we start to think about okay, the indigenous people, well, that's precisely what happened to the indigenous people here. And out of pure um, power, brute power, white people took over this country and put people, indigenous people, on reserves and basically wiped out their way of life. Not entirely, but yep. to, in a large part. In Try a large to. part, yeah. And and this is where I think, you know, the divide, we, we, as humans, we, we, we are having a really difficult time, especially I think as white people, or I'm going to generalize here, white people who are in power, white people who have taken over so many indigenous people's lands. And, 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 and here we stand today, 2020, we're unwilling to actually give back what we've taken. We're unwilling to step down. And when we as white people talk about moving forward or, or starting from a clean slate, what we mean is essentially from where we stand today in our position of comfort and um, advantage, let's forgive what's happened in the past and move forward but we're unwilling to even the playing field like we don't really say okay well let's create a new system we still want to work from the system in which we are advantaged as white people as conquerors as people who have colonized these um these lands we we want to say well let's forget about the past and move forward from this place of power that we hold. I don't see much um, progress in the way of saying, let's start again and we'll have representation from various cultures and perspectives so that we can begin to establish a culture or society where everybody's voice is heard. I don't see that happening. Do you? Unfortunately not, but I think we must hear. We have to hear. People have got to 
<clears throat> there's listening and there's mm-hmm. hearing. And sure, we listen, but do we hear mm-hmm. and comprehend? Mm-hmm. And this is, for me, where we have to. We have to comprehend where they're coming from, mm-hmm. whoever it is. Um, and we have to be respectful, as I say, for people's mm-hmm. cultures. Um, it's people have got to learn to embrace. I think people are scared. I do too. They don't want to. They don't want to know mm-hmm. the unknown. Mm-hmm. And do you think? Do you think um, we're also scared of change? Like you know, if I think back to pre-COVID times, just before where we were starting to see here in Canada a lot of protests from Indigenous people um, resisting pipelines and also there was a momentum gathering in this kind of um, just a a general recognition of Indigenous culture and rights and ownership of their own land and how that isn't respected in, in so many cases. Um, but you see that the majority of Canadians get really fed up with that kind of, and it was peaceful protest, thank God. But um, you see the general population get very tired of that uh, protest, that peaceful protest for movement in the direction of equality. Like, come on, stop blocking the railroads. Come on, get to work. You know, come on, we have to move forward. This is our economy. You know, get it, get with the times. Um, do you see? Do you see it like that? Um, no, I, I see it as they have to be people. If that is their, if it is sacred land to them for whatever reason it is, I'm, I'm just discussing with the pipeline okay. itself. Um, if it is sacred land. I can sympathize with them. I'll probably be hung, drawn, and courted for saying something like that. But I would, would sympathize with them because it means a great deal to heritage, culture. We must then respect that and ask and find out from whoever it, it, it's going to um, impose on what their <clears throat> solution would be to proceed with the process but make sure that none of their um, that we're not infringing mm-hmm. on their rights. Mm-hmm. So I think this is the heart because... of it though and, and, I, and you would know much more about the situation in South Africa but as I see it in Canada and I think this is what's happened in the United States presently as well that, that for there's no denying that there were periods in history that were are just blatant racism, blatant discrimination, right? We're talking yeah. oh, absolutely. and, and absolutely. all of the all of these obvious abuses, terrible injustices happened. And then we start to get kind of, you know, these civil rights movements happening in the in the sixties and the seventies. Maybe we start to talk about recognizing our our some of these awful mistakes and you know we're closing down residential schools we're ending apartheid we you know we end slavery and these things and and we're caught now in this transition time where we go okay well those practices were obviously um unjustifiable and awful now they're over but we're still left with the fallout of that all these um indigenous populations that feel like okay good now that's over but how can we level the playing field? And that's where I see white people having an inability or, or political or, um, you know, like political structures or power structures, the way society's set up coming out of a time of conquest where we're actually unwilling to shift the playing field so that everybody gets a fair voice or a fair chance and so what we start to see however many decades later after this kind of like okay let's get along but without an actual level playing field then we start to get these uprisings right we start to get this resurgence of violence in the other direction right where it's like 
fuck this. You said it's over, but it's not really over because I still can't have a fighting chance. And I think we're, we're asking these indigenous populations or these um, oppressed people in various situations all over the globe to conform to what conquest and colonialism achieved. And that's where we want people to start. And I think that unless we recognize that's already, again, you know, giving us an advantage, I think that those people are going to consistently be like, sorry, F this, you're still fooling yourself that this is fair or just or, or equal. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so, Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sorry, I was just going to say it's as if somebody has taken an eraser and rubbed out the mm-hmm. divide mm-hmm. line mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. actually um, putting other opportunities mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. place, be it um, better education, yeah. which to me is also a very totally. important thing. Um, and mm-hmm. opportunity for mm-hmm. betterment. But you cannot have somebody with their handout expecting just to have a handout. One has to have that look at me in the mirror and say, what do mm-hmm. I want? Do I want to stay here with my handout being angry at the world for what mm-hmm. has happened, or am I going to look at myself and say, I want to get out of here. Mm-hmm. How can mm-hmm. I do it? Okay, so let me ask you then. I, I you know, I, I definitely believe we're all of us are one hundred percent responsible for our own um, happiness and wellness. However, do you think it would be useful or or helpful when if somebody who doesn't have much and doesn't have much facility through whatever injustices have been served to them over over time over decades over patterns who has nothing who comes to to say me who who has a lot and says like oh you have so much give me give me what you have I have nothing do you think it would what would what would the best response, what would you think my best response would be to actually empower that person with their handout? Um, I think personally that it shouldn't be a handout. It should be an education. Let me show Mm -hmm. you how to Mm -hmm. do it. Let's do Mm -hmm. it together. Mm -hmm. Because if you just give a handout, it's going to be wanting more and more all the time. If you take somebody and put them in a position where they can learn, they can grow, whether it being into where they are and growing within their own environment or going out there and becoming their own entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. let's put it that way, you know, Developing their own their own um, income, their own structure to help people in a similar position. But if people just get a handout, they expect more and more handout. I think that when this line was erased, um, a little bit more should have been given to people to show them how to utilize what they were given. Because I'm going back into Africa. A lot of these people are illiterate still, the older generations, because they did not have, they had schools, but not everybody was able to attend the schools. There were not many rural schools as as, as they should have been. So a lot of these people cannot read. So they do not know how to go forward with um, getting their children to a school. There's still children out there that don't go to school. 
which they should be given that opportunity. Now, let's take other countries. I don't think there are children that don't go to school or have an education mm -hmm. in some sort of way. These, these people should be given that opportunity and it, it should be um, easier for them to get into mm -hmm. being educated. However, I... Not that it should be a handout. However, I do question. I mean, I completely agree with you. I know where you're coming from, and I think education is key. However, I still, when when we start to talk about education, I question what comes to mind for me is whose education, because I know the education system that I went through was also geared towards conditioning me in that same kind of um, colonialist mindset. You know, the history that I learned was definitely... Yep. Um, from a white perspective. So I think, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think for, for Indigenous populations or oppressed people population to feel like they have a foot in the door or a stake in the game, that there needs to be a more, we need to acknowledge that the whole system is rigged for white people. So I think at the, even though I, I'm agreeing with you that I think you know, education and opportunities need to be given so that we can be on a level playing field instead of handouts. I still think that there's deeper work to be done in the sense of acknowledging um, just how insidious our colonia, co colonial um, culture is even in our education, our political systems, our financial systems. And until that begins to shift, I think it's a, it's a little bit unfair to say, again, I think we, we kind of at some level keep saying like fit into what's happening now, people try to fit into what's happening now. And what's happening now is essentially a, a white supremacist supremacy world in, in various ways in various countries. So I think, you know, I, I just want to bring light to the fact that we tend to want to fit these populations into our system and say, come along, play with us. But at the very heart of their setup is injustice and disparity. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. When I say education, I'm talking mm -hmm. reading, writing, mm -hmm. mathematics. I'm not history geography that is something mm -hmm. that but do you follow. think maybe it's time to rewrite rewrite the history books or to do like a really serious reworking of education do you think that would help like when I, I I agree and I know that where you're coming from again my questions are are usually just to help listeners understand you know us to get some yeah. uh, the deeper issues of where true healing and harmony can happen and I think Again, we're just using our voices to reflect back and forth. And I agree, education is important. Reading, writing, if that's um, reading, writing, and arithmetic, if that was all that was being taught, I think that would actually, um, you know, maybe level the playing field. But, but can we acknowledge that a lot of what gets taught in education is propagating the, the disparity through the telling of history, through passing on certain values that tend to be white, you know, this white dominant culture, and we continue to avoid in our education, teaching, you know, um, language of indigenous peoples, values of indigenous people that we tend to override even in our education systems, um, those values and continue to kind of impose white structure. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. Um, I'm, I'm just going to take myself for, for mm -hmm. an, as an example now. My parents insisted that if I came to your home and you were a French-speaking family, I mm -hmm. spoke French in your home. Um, I, 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 we were never allowed to um, inflict our language on mm -hmm. whoever we were speaking to. And I think that is mm -hmm. a major thing as well. Why? Why deprive somebody of their, mm -hmm. again, heritage, mm -hmm. their culture? Now, um, yes, maths, ma reading, writing, and mathematics is, or arithmetic is something that is there. 
we've got to, again, respect people's heritage. As to rewriting history, you can't re rewrite history. What is history? History has been and gone and, for and should be forgotten in certain areas. We don't want to be reminded of the travesties that has happened wherever they were because a lot of the history is. Where do you really hear about wonderful things that happened in history? You're always hearing about the wars and um, the, the murdering and whatever was going on. You hear about that. You don't really always hear about mm -hmm. how great things were. We don't want to rewrite history. Unfortunately, it's happened. It's been there and it's done. Let's make new memories, happy memories, um, respect people's cultures, respect their languages, respect their heritage, but give them the opportunity to have the basic needs that they need to better themselves in that, whatever their mm -hmm. situation is. Not, not um, mm -hmm. suppress them. Now, for me, with the rioting that's going on in America, they're not honoring George Floyd. They're actually just being barbaric. What good is that? What, what purpose is it? The burning, the looting, the murdering. Mm -hmm. What statement are they putting out there to the younger children that are out there watching what's going on? whether you white, black, pink, green, whatever, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. What are they saying? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's an interesting, it's, an, it's, it's a complex issue because I think there is some looting, some rioting, and then some protesting. And I think there, you know, there's, there's a few different movements within what we see happening in the States. I don't think it's all the same. But I do, it reminds me, you know, like of, um, well, a couple things come to mind for me, I think. One, if we were to be able to acknowledge the injustices, the disparity, the racism that exists, you would see less of this violent or peaceful uprising. You know, if there wasn't an issue of disparity, I think, and inequality, I think you wouldn't see the uprising. So we want to maybe complain about the looting and the rioting, but if we were to address, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that that shows up for me as like when Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee, I don't know how many years ago that was to say like, can we address this racial injustice that happens in the States? And everybody was like, don't do that. That's disrespectful towards our national anthem. This is not patriotic. This has nothing to do with football. Let's get back to the game. I think that's where you begin to see this. Well, what, what will it take? When will people start to address these injustices? Same for Nelson Mandela, right? I mean, there was all of this injustice in South Africa, and he was, was actually partaking in some of these violent, in quotation, terrorist movements to end apartheid, to end the injustice, and ended up in jail because of this kind, kind of violent protest, because, you know, people were we're being treated unfairly. So I think, you know, we, we have to acknowledge that we can only hold people down for so long until they go, F this, I'm rising up. And that's where I think these, these protests or these, you know, even killing people um, in South Africa, killing the farmers in South Africa, not that I justify it, but, but I can also definitely see the frustration and the anger on the part of oppressed people to get their, their voice heard. Often it's not when they're just kneeling, when they're saying, when they're doing peaceful things, when they're, you know, um, trying to find ways to, to be seen and heard. I think often we don't see and hear them until it's, you know, a burning building, uh, a cop car on fire, uh, you know, as somebody has viciously, violently protested or murdered or something. We, we're not hearing the pain of those people until it becomes, you know, something major. So I think we can't write off that, <sighs> that fight, you know? 
I hear what you're saying. I, you know, for me, I just try to, I, I, I can't justify um, a violent protest. Um, I think a silent protest or a um, a peaceful protest is possibly more effective. People will will mm-hmm. actually take more heed. They won't get as mm-hmm. ang- they won't get angry, and and the violence there won't be that violence. But it all stems back to mm-hmm. hearing, mm-hmm. not listening. Hearing what and and comprehending and mm-hmm. um, compassion mm-hmm. totally for people. Um, yes, we are um, privileged as a white society. Um, possibly uh, because we were given so many opportunities, and a lot of people were not. But I feel that the playing fields have been leveled out a lot more. People are being given a lot more opportunity in this day and age to get out there and do things in their own for themselves. People, um, they they they're not they're not chained to um, being downtrodden anymore. That's what you know. What that's what I was trying to say. When you look at yourself in the mirror, it's what do you want? What do you desire? Where do you, do you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, whatever, and improve your situation? Get yourself up out of wherever you are, whatever um, color you are. And we should all be given the same opportunity to get into a higher education. We should all be um, heard mm-hmm. as to what our dreams are. We shouldn't be ridiculed. A lot of people, I think, are ridiculed when they have this idea of being whatever and and people around them go, you want to be a what? Where do you think you're going to get? There's no compassion there. There's no upliftment of, wow, that is awesome. Let's get out there. Let's try and get you mm-hmm. to where you would like to be. Yeah, sure, you're the one that has to have that drive. And until people and, – and we – as – as people uh, observers have got to um, honor and respect that person's desire to be to better themselves, to better their situation, to better their family situation, because nobody else is going to do it. You have to do it for yourself, but you need the support of your community. You need the support of um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you need to be heard. It comes back to that hearing. Totally. I agree. And compassion. So I think um, whenever we get to the hour mark, I think all people's, uh, you know, their, their attention span will start to wane at around this, this hour mark. So I always like to leave people who were listening with some actionable or tiny steps they can take for themselves towards healing. So would you, if you could break it down, Zen, and in something like, you know, what could you or me or people who are living with this white privilege, you know, who are, who are part of, I don't know, the dominant narrative or what, what could we do to help um, move our planet towards what you're talking about, compassion and and hearing people do you have any you know kind of final words of advice for for let's say white people in what could our role be in developing more compassion or yeah more more i for me mm-hmm. i think mentorship um whether you are actually mentoring somebody or you are setting an example mm-hmm. as to how you conduct yourself, how you have, you are able to show respect, have the um, 
as I say, compassion for people. But I think mm. mentorship is a big thing. Um, there are a lot of people out there that have these dreams that they want and nobody is out there mm-hmm. really able to help them. And I think if we have more people that are prepared to not go to, to a work from nine to five, but to actually mentor more young kids, be it in schools, be it in universities, wherever it may be, be out there and be visible and offer mm-hmm. um, your assistance. And if you you may not have um, the tools, or you, you'll have the tools to do some investigation into what you could suggest to somebody, you might not be your field, but you could. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You might know somebody that could help. And it's all about communication. I think it's all about compassion. It's all about um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. put yourself in their position. I, when you're a young person and you want to better yourself, you don't mm-hmm. often know how to go about it. And I think we, we tend to forget that as we grow up. We tend to forget that when we were 15, 16, we might have had these wonderful dreams that never came to fruition. But they might have, if somebody had been there and said, well, this mm. is the path to follow. I love that. I think that's a really powerful suggestion. Even, um, you know, it touches me. Like if I, you having said that, it's like if I found somebody in my community um, here where I live, um, maybe somebody who who doesn't have the same opportunities or advantages that I have, but offer them as um, a gift from my heart, some insight into things that have worked for me, that that could be, you know, a really powerful personal way I could contribute to lifting somebody else up who maybe doesn't have the same opportunities. So I'm going to encourage all my listeners to maybe take your advice and find some small way or, or see the opportunities to develop these relationships, personal relationships where you can actually pass some of your power, some of your advantages, some of your opportunities over to somebody who maybe doesn't have so many. And I think if everybody did that, then we would have a lot more sharing of resources, opportunities, and privilege. So I think that's an awesome suggestion. Um, And of course, developing compassion towards all people. And I think um, your suggestion too of what true communication is, just listening. I think sometimes when, you know, if we're um, in sitting in a privileged place, even if we just stop to listen to somebody who feels disadvantaged without fixing it, without um, analyzing it, but just truly listening and hearing and embracing that person and their pain or sadness or, or feeling of injustice, I think that too can also bring a lot of healing just to be heard. So I think um, your ideas are awesome. I'm really grateful that you joined me for the conversation today because I think um, all of us engaging in these conversations and just sharing from the heart helps all of us to just understand each other better from whichever which vantage point we stand from. So I'm really grateful then that you, that you joined me today to talk on the first step. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for inviting me and asking me my little. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we are the world, right? So even though we feel really tiny, I mean, I don't know how many people will listen to this podcast, but even if somebody kind of shifts their their thinking or or eases their resentments or opens their mind in some tiny way, I think that's movement towards what we all want, which is just understanding and 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 harmony and, you know, a sharing of our resources and, and living on a peaceful planet. So, so who knows how, who it'll touch or, or how it'll touch anybody, but, but thank you for being open and just contributing and being brave and courageous to just say what you think and share what you feel, because um, at the end of the day, that's all we can really do. We do. Thank you. And the last thing is we must acknowledge people i think that's the whole thing people are wanting to be acknowledged they're wanting to be seen Mm -hmm. it's not just heard it's seen as well so i hope it is helpful to people what we have to you know even for um, for me and you zan it's like you know i think you had when when we were on that call that day i felt like you had something to say so i hope that even just being able to say that you feel 
you know, a little bit of that angst or frustration at the situation has been eased, even just by being given, you know, an hour to talk through what you feel. Yeah, no, it, 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 it is good because you have these things that, um, resentments, let's call them resentments that one harbors for, for a long time within you. And I think this is what also is happening mm-hmm. to a lot of people. They have a lot of resentment. Um, they're not heard. They're not seen. They're not acknowledged. And I think that is mm-hmm. yeah, I a think huge too, problem as well. Comes from, from being seen and heard. So let's continue to see and hear each other. And, and I, yeah. I hope you'll, you know, you'll continue on with that inspiration today. And, and me too. I've really taken a lot away from our conversation. Well, thank you very much, and um, oh, that's awesome. really enjoyed okay, my well, time we'll chatting to you. talk to you again soon. I hope you have a wonderful day, and I hope listeners, you too, may all beings be happy.